I'm going to talk about some reasons not to do more intercultural ministry, more cross-cultural ministry. So now I want you to turn to somebody near you, a couple people, whatever, and ask them a reason why they have heard not to do more cross-cultural ministry. Or maybe a reason you've given. Okay? Turn to somebody next to you. Now, I'm a teacher. We can't just be preaching here. So turn to somebody and ask them a reason they think or they have heard not to do more cross-cultural ministry or intercultural ministry. Say hi if you haven't met them. Okay, let me hear one. Reasons, yeah, okay. Okay. Okay, don't do it to make them like you. All right? Another, another person? Yeah. Don't do it out of human effort. Okay? Now these, are, these sound like good reasons. I, I, want, I, want, the, I want some of the other reasons, too. The excuses and uh, other reasons. Okay, we got one here, huh? What's that? I've got my salvation. Okay. Somebody else? Yeah. We need to be concerned about our own people. Okay, we have enough problems here. All right, good. Somebody else, yeah. You might not understand their beliefs and how they see things, and that could, that could also be really difficult and uh, a problem. Is that difficult, and what else did you say? Uncomfortable. Yeah, okay, good. They don't speak our language. Okay. Somebody else? Yeah? Nikazi, nifigumu. All right, good. That means it's hard. It's work. Say again? Hostility. Okay. They might be hostile. Yeah. Okay. Money. My credit card debt is too high, so I can't do it. It's too expensive. Yeah. They're different? Because everybody's different. Okay. Good. Yeah. The nationals are more effective. Okay. Good. Fear. Fear of the unknown, okay. Yeah. Not feeling called to do it. Okay, somebody else? Well, you've, got, you've done, done well. You've gotten a lot already. I, um, since I was preparing ahead and I didn't have time to hear all these, 
I took, uh, it was just last week, a week ago we were at family camp. Sorry you all missed it, because um, it was a great time up at family camp at Sandy Lake Bible Camp, and uh, my kids' favorite camp, and uh, we had a good time, and I asked people up there to give me some reasons. So I went on the reasons that they gave me, um, and maybe I'll hit some of the ones here, but yeah, you actually pretty much overlapped with what people gave me. I'm going to start with one reason to do it. A pretty obvious one, typical one that we, t- we refer to, but Matthew 28, 17-20, end of the book of Matthew, when they saw him, that is Jesus, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, why? Because all authority has been given to me, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. So the, the main command is make disciples. How do we do it? By going, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Okay, let's go on to some of the objections. Don't press your beliefs on them. That was something similar to what somebody here said. Don't press your beliefs on them. Okay, now I want you to turn to the person next to you and as as quick as you can come up with a possible answer to that. Turn to somebody next to you. Give it a shot. What would you say if somebody said, no, don't do that, don't press your beliefs on them? Okay, somebody got something they'd like to say, an answer? Or your neighbor's good answer? Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. Okay. Okay, so you we don't actually have authority over them, so we share the truth with them and and only the Holy Spirit can cause them to believe. So, yes, they're right. We need to avoid colonialism and power plays that say, this is what you need to do. This, I want you to believe the way I do and do the things I do, right? Um, being above, pressuring people, pushing people. I agree. Um, a friend of mine had a, had a picture of somebody who gotten saved, a person who was a traditional healer, and uh, on his website, somebody wrote him from Denmark and said, why are you taking away his relationship with his ancestors? We have a Sukuma society here, and we think it's terrible that you're doing that. And his answer was, hey, I didn't make him do that. <laughs> I just presented him an option, and he liked it. He chose it. He's not a child. He's an adult. He, he has an option. We're for freedom of choice, but people don't have freedom of choice in a lot of places. People who've never heard of Jesus don't have a choice to choose him or not. Um, in that sense. Or maybe they've heard a whole different kind of Jesus than Jesus actually is. And we're presenting something else. So I agree that we don't want to do that. But Jesus came to us, right? 
It wasn't very easy, <laughs> but he came to us, and he said, as the Father has sent me, so send I you. I'm sending you the way the Father sent me. Now, Jesus didn't come and require people to follow him. There is going to be a day when every knee will bow. But people expected that at the first coming. They expected him to come with that sword and say, better do it. And there have been mission efforts in that way. The colonial effort in Latin America, for example, very much a be baptized or be beheaded. <laughs> Sometimes. So there are, there's times when that happened, although not nearly as much as people say. Now, what I do find curious is that we don't seem to have trouble pressing Coca-Cola on people. We don't have trouble pressing technology on people, development, democracy, um, vaccines. There's all kinds of things we think are good news that we have no trouble pressing on people, no matter who they are. We think this is required. Right? Maybe it's just that we don't believe Jesus is really good news as much as we believe Coca-Cola and vaccines are good news. And Jesus is the one who said, make disciples of all nations, all ethne, all peoples, all ethnic groups. Teach them to obey me. We're not making disciples of me. I'm making a disciple of Jesus. I'm teaching them to obey everything he commanded. Or I'm trying, not everything I commanded, in fact, most of the time in Africa, I'd, <laughs> I try to ask questions more than get answers because I don't have all the answers. It's a lot of discussion to see well, how do we follow Jesus in different places, in different contexts. So it's teaching, and Jesus is the arrogant one. Is that right? Now, at least he's arrogant if he's not the one who created all of us and not the one who died to redeem all of us. But if he really is that, it's not so arrogant to say, obey me. We're not telling people, obey us. We're telling people, obey your creator. Um, he's the one who commanded us to do that. So we don't want to press our beliefs on people, but we do want to give them the opportunity to choose to follow their creator, to choose to receive his redemption. Okay, somebody else should do it. Okay? Now, there's variations of the somebody else should do it. In Africa, in Tanzania especially, it's the Wazungu should do it. The white people should do it. They have the money, they have the facilities and the ability to do it. We have so many needs here, we can't do it. Right? But everybody's got an excuse. In the history of the church, they said this was a command given to the apostles. Apostles means sent ones, or missionaries, they're all translations of sent ones. So the apostles did it, we don't have to do it. It took some centuries to get to somebody saying, actually we should find a way to do this ourselves. This is a command for us. Um, okay, so what's your answer? We've had a couple of, somebody else should do it. The nationals should do it. I'm not called. Okay, talk to somebody next to you and see if you have an answer for any of those variations of I'm, somebody else should do it. I'm not called, the nationals should do it, the white rich people should do it, people with more money should do it. 
Can you talk to each other? How would you answer somebody who said basically somebody else should do it? Here's number one, I'm not called. Okay, talk to somebody next to you and tell me what the person next to you said. Okay, now let me hear somebody's answer. What did your neighbor say? We're all called. Okay? You heard it from several people, okay. Somebody else? How do you know you weren't called? Okay. That's a good question, isn't it? I had a vision, and God said to me, you are not called. God said to me, do not go to Africa. Did anybody have that vision? I ha actually, um, I, I remember a time when I had felt called to Tanzania. Then we were pastoring here. Jan had a really good job. You know, we were, you know, things were going well. We were close to family, all that kind of stuff. I, I went back to God and said, uh, you know, ask for a vision. You know, this is what you were thinking about, right? Actually, God didn't say anything. So then I had to go to kind of with the previous leading I had, which was go to Tanzania. <laughs> Um, so God didn't give me that vision either. Somebody else? Do the next thing one step at a time. Okay? So, yes, we have different gifts but this commission is for each and all together. Now in Swahili, it's a nini, it's plural. Okay? You all go into all the world. Right? So we're all called, but we are not all called to reach all of Africa. But when I was going to, uh, to uh, last time we were going back to the States, I mean back to Africa, back home, um, there's, a, there's a group of, of uh, 15 people, and they all had T-shirts on that says, change four with a four, Africa. And then God use me on the back. Uh, that was okay, but Africa? I asked them where they were going. They said, I'm Nairobi, and then I think someplace else. Well, there's a billion people in Africa. <laughs> they can't do it all by themselves, right? I can't, I've touched a few places. You touch a few places. We have a relationship together, and we can do things. I mean, just in this small sample of the body of Christ, we have amazing people here and amazing relationships around the world and around the city with people from around the world. Mora, would you please stand up? I'm asking Mora to stand up just because I know she doesn't like to stand up. Mr. Nox remains standing, Maura. <laughs> we, we do have different gifts, right? Now, this is tricky because we are a team and all of you are part of it, but just because Maura is so different from me, I thought I would highlight the fact that she is part of team, even though she's never been up here to present something about team. Maura has always 
well, when she was secretary and since. Taking care of our finances. Liz took over some of that, working with the finances, which we really appreciate wherever Liz is. Um, there she is. Thanks, Liz. But Maura continued to do stuff, even when she wasn't getting paid, about keeping tracking our finances. She is given every month since we left. She has been over to visit a couple times. But you know what? Oh, okay, you can sit down. I know I can see you. Um, even when we were working together here in the office, we realized that personality-wise, we were exact opposites. So when it came to pumpkin night, it was the same thing. I was happy to call people up, but I wasn't going to go run around and find candy and administer. You know, it, wouldn't, it would fall apart, right? I'm happy to run the youth group, but when I need to find out about what we did last year, I say, Maura, where is the thing? And she pulls it right out of the drawer, right? Because she's organized. I'm not. That's why I need somebody like that on the team, right? And we can talk about lots of different things, but the point is, she is part of the team, even though she's lived in St. Paul her whole life. She's never been more than how many miles away from each other? Oh, you, you've had a, you had a semester in England, right? But a few, a few miles apart. And yet she has a global ministry. Okay? And there are other people here with amazing connections and relationships and things and ways that we are in relationship with each other. We all are called. And this church, together with Nairobi Chapel and Mwanza Pepha and places all over the world, we are called. Okay? It's not an optional ministry. Some of you are called to prayer. So that means the rest of us don't have to pray, right? Is that right? Some of you are called to say, you know, teach the word. So the rest of us never have to read the Bible. Is that right? Some of us have a specialty calling toward doing some kind of intercultural, cross-cultural ministry. That means the rest of you, it's, I'm not called. Is that right? No. We all use our gifts to do the work of the body together. And this is one of the things we do together. It's not an extra add-on agenda that we can, can attack on. Even though that's the way we treat it. The Nationals should do it. I did hear that. They can do it better. Well, first of all, who are the Nationals? You all are the Nationals in America. Right? So you all are responsible for America. And you all can do a better job in America than I can. Right? Because I'm not living here anymore. You all can do a better job in St. Paul than I can. Because I'm not here. Now, I can be in relationship with you. I can, we can talk about it. We can, we can do some stuff. But you're the nationals who are, who are going to do a better job here. Right? Now, some people within this group are better at reaching Swedes, maybe. Because you remember, you're Swedish. And other people are maybe have some language abilities or other things, but we are working together. Also, so the nationals should do it. So the nationals should reach Somalia, right? There are maybe five churches in Somalia. Are they going to reach Somalia, those five churches? On the other hand, there are some Somali nationals who you all are in relationship with, right? Who you all can minister to right here. When uh, we have some 
Nepali's here. Now, when my wife's sister-in-law went to Nepal, they, you know, went to Kathmandu, then to Pokhara, then drive six hours to the end of the road, then 39 miles, walked to 20 villages where one guy was a secret believer and never told anyone. He got saved in the army. 20 villages. So who are the nationals that are going to reach those people? Somebody's got to cross some boundaries and do some things out of their comfort zone to reach people. Right? And even when you are in the same country, it takes some reaching across some boundaries sometime, and maybe some help from outside. Maybe we need some people from elsewhere to help as well. Because some groups have no nationals. I think I may have said this before, but if everyone, every one of every Christian's friends, neighbors, relatives, and acquaintances got saved tomorrow, two billion people wouldn't know the difference. That nobody knows them. So let's go with our relationships, but realize we have to stretch beyond those relationships to the people who have no relationship with someone who can tell them. We can support and ask, as asked, and partner with people. Right? There are things we can do that we may have the ability or the resources to do that other people can't. I think nationals should do it. Now, in 1900, when there was only 10 million African believers in all of Africa, there was a lot more need for outside missionaries. Even then, the biggest, the biggest per capita sending country in the 1800s was Sierra Leone. National, Africans have been doing it a long time. okay? But we are encouraging and trying to train nationals to do it, including going across to some other nations, some other ethnic groups. But there are some things that we can do. I can teach missions in some ways that... We'll talk some more about this. Okay, why go to another country when we have so many needs here in America? Okay, talk to somebody. Got an answer for that one? Talk to your neighbor quick. I want to hear some good answers. Because people keep asking me these questions, so. Okay. Some people are just looking at me, but uh, I don't have all the answers. Let me hear some answers from you. What would you say to this? Yeah. We have to do both. Okay? Somebody else? Yeah? God's called you to that? Okay. Somebody else? Okay. So part of the needs that we have here in America are all the people that God sent here. Right? Okay. Somebody else? So we have some resources that they might not have. Okay? Good. Um, 
this doesn't show up too well, but basically, this is how we generally think, okay? Who, who's in the center here? Can't read it very well, but me, okay? I am the center of my universe. I am king of my home. I am the one, right? So when it comes to needs, my needs are the most important. Then we move on to my family. So we think we're, we're really doing well when we focus on the family. We get people to take care of their own wife and their own children. Good step to go beyond me and ego-centered to my family, right? Then we might get to my people. Somebody said something about my people. In other words, if we can get people ethnocentric, we have really accomplished something. They're actually committed to America or committed to St. Paul or committed to something beyond their own family or their own... That's an accomplishment. As far as them, you'll see it's pretty much covered up. They don't really figure in the, in the picture, generally. Okay? Who are them? Well, we'll talk a little bit. But actually, this is the way God wants us to see it. Jesus, His glory... He is king. It's all about him. Now, when he came, he said, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to preach good news to the poor, to them. And he went touching lepers and reaching... Tax collectors weren't necessarily poor, but they were the marginalized, the people that were out of the society. And he had... He went to them, those people out there. I mean... He went to a, a guy who lived in the graves, especially for a Jew, lived in the graves, was naked, was demon-possessed, crazy, and ha beat up on people. That was kind of one of those people most people didn't go minister to. But Jesus did. <laughs> those people that everybody else wants to avoid. That's, Luke focuses on that as well as, and, he, and the guy was a Gentile too, one of those other nations. Acts focuses more on those other nations and getting these sent ones out to those other nations. Them, the unreached. So we really, if we don't focus on those people, they're invisible. The poor are invisible. The unreached are invisible. We don't know them unless we try to. Okay? And then beyond that is the the church and then me. But let me put it another way. It's God's mission is all-encompassing. And then there's the church's mission. Within the church's mission is missions, intercultural, cross-cultural ministry. It has to be a focus because it's so easy to forget. And it's because it was Jesus' focus, because it was the apostles' focus. But of course, Jesus is the real focus. Um, I'm going to back up here. We also need help from others for our needs. America does have a lot of needs, so God has sent people here. Why has he sent them here? Because we needed them. Because we needed them. You know, he was trying, for example, he was trying to give us, help us to, to bless the poor in, in, in other countries that needed some help. So, you know, the government doesn't do that well compared to other governments. Private foundations, Bill Gates, they give, give like $2.5 billion. The um, 
religious organizations, mission organizations, churches give $3 billion. People who live here but are from someplace else give 16 to $18 billion. So we all weren't doing it, so he sent people here to help us redirect some of our funds that didn't even go through some, some uh, government organization, but went back to mom and grandma who needed it. So we needed them to do that. We needed them to bring some Christianity that was alive to us. We need other countries going there, coming here, to, to deepen our discipleship, to help us to trust something else, to help us to realize we could have church without air conditioning and padded pews, maybe. Um, I, I know you all feel much more comfortable now. I'm glad you're, uh, you're with us. But uh, we need them. I mean... We hate to admit it, but we need the Chinese to make stuff for us. And then after we buy it, we need them to loan us some money to pay off our credit cards and our government debt. We hate to admit it, but that's the truth, right? We need some other people to come and do the jobs that we don't want to do. We need some other people to... We are interdependent with the world, no matter how independent we like to pretend we are. Our politicians are always going to say, you know, politicians of Britain are talking about, we're clamping down on immigration at the same time they're advertising for nurses in Manila. We're doing the same thing. We need each other. We need each other to find out who Jesus is. We need each other to learn stuff from a different perspective. I think I've told you this before, but the, the elephant in the room and the blind people who were feeling the elephant, Right? And one person says, it's a tree trunk. Somebody else says, no, it's a wall. Somebody else says, no, it's a rope. Somebody else says, no, it's a big snake. They all have their perspective. Great postmodern tale. You, you all just believe whatever you want to believe. But that's not the point of the tale to me. The point is, why don't these blind people get together and say, Here's how, it feels like a wall to me. Come here. Let me show you how it feels like a wall. Well, let me show you how it feels like a snake. We could get a whole lot bigger picture of God and God's kingdom, and what's going on in the world if we could listen to each other. And we need each other to minister. We need Tanzanians to reach some places that, to be honest, most of us couldn't live. Because most of us don't know how to do what Alfred did. Just go out and get 10 acres and live off that with your family. Maybe our grandparents did, but we forgot. Somebody's got to do some stuff, and we need to work together to make it happen. We are a body. We need each other. Besides that, we have great investment opportunities. She said there's, we have resources. What do you do with resources? You try to find some place to invest them, right? If you have some resources, you try to find some place to invest it. And I'm sorry, but most of us have missed the great investment opportunities. We keep going after the stocks and then, and then, and then our houses and then the, and, and none of those are... We, on the other hand, you guys have made great investment opportunities. The church in Africa, like I said, was 10 million in 1900. Now it's closing on 500 million. And the investment opportunity has not ended. It has just become a billion people in Africa. By 2050, it will be 2 billion. 
it'll be pushing 20% of the world's population. Not near Asia, which is 60%. But uh, in any case, we have a great investment opportunity there. Muslims are getting saved there. We have opportunities to do lots of stuff in places where we could, not just with money, but with prayer, with people, with all kinds of resources that we have. Or we could focus on me and say, well, when, when my cup is totally full, the only problem is that every time you watch an advertisement, the cup gets bigger. When my cup is totally full, then there'll be some overflow someplace else. And we even sanctify this and make it Jerusalem. And then when Jerusalem's finished, we'll move to Judea and then Samaria and then someplace else. That's not what it said. Jesus said, men of Galilee, the angel said, men of Galilee, why are you looking in the sky? Jesus said, come follow me, drop that stuff. I got more important things for you to do. They left Galilee a long time ago and headed toward Jerusalem, which was a place to get crucified. And let me just tell you, just warn you, if you start siding with those people, somebody will want to crucify you. Somebody will say, if you're on their side, you're not with us anymore. But that's okay, we're following Jesus. It's too hard. Um, let me just go on here. Yes, it is too hard. We're following Jesus who took up his cross, right? In fact, it's impossible. Now, it's hard. That's why we try to teach people. I've taught eight new classes. Thank you very much for your prayers in the last two years. Trying to figure out how to help people to do this difficult thing. And the truth is, Africans are just as ethnocentric as we are. Everybody's good at being ethnocentric and focused on themselves. And we all need to learn the difficult things of how to cross into other cultures. It's hard. So we don't just waltz in and say necessarily that we're going to, uh, well, the truth is we don't have the answer. When I say, God change Africa, Lord use me, I'm not the answer, sorry. I am asking God to, to, uh, to give the answer. I also always, always wonder about the reverse side of that. Like if I was in the airport coming to America and there were these people in long robes and turbans and they had, you know, change for America, Allah use me on the back, I just wonder how that would go over. We need people, but we're not always ready to let other people change us, right? In fact, have you ever tried to change yourself? Have you ever tried to change a habit or a sinful thing or even lose five pounds? Is it easy? It's not very easy. And yet we think we can change a billion people in eight days. Right? It's not any easier anyplace else. In fact, it is harder. But that doesn't mean we... Well, it does mean we can't do it. Fortunately, who can do it? God can do it. We take up our cross and we follow the answer. He is the answer. He not only has the answer, Jesus is the answer. Without me, you can do nothing. But I am the vine, you are the branches. It all comes out of that root in God through the, through the trunk and into the branches, and then they bear fruit. Jesus has chosen you. And you all, us all, to go 
and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Because of the amazing branch? No, because of the tree, which we're a part of. Um, the tree trunk that is Jesus. One last one. What about family? Because that's one that people always ask. Well, what you have to leave your family. Now we have to leave. We have to send Hannah off to a foreign culture to uh, do some do some mission work. But you know, and the truth is, our first term over there, before we went, people asked us that. Well, you can do this to your kids. What are you doing to your kids? Our first term when we were, you know, we had 40 illnesses and I started having panic attacks, all this kind of stuff. I said, what am I doing to my family? Right? Um, when we dedicated Isaac here before we went back, it was like, Lord, I remember Abram putting him on the altar because this is serious. Now I look at who my kids are becoming and I say, wow, what would they have been if I hadn't followed God? What if I'd taught them not to follow God? What if I'd taught them, you better, there's times to follow God and then there's times when it's too hard. What kind of inheritance do I want for my children? And my parents are getting older, but how do I honor my parents? Do I honor them by getting a good job so I can pay for them to stay in a, well, my parents, it's maybe easier than most people. Because my parents love staying in a 400 400 square foot place so they can give more to us. They're excited and honored by what we're doing, which is cool. Are you that kind of parent that can say, you know what, can I live in a small enough place to send my kids 7,000 miles away and have them do something for real? Or are we trying to do, you know, make it comfortable, make sure our kids get into all the right leagues and do the right stuff so that they can have a good education? My kids have gotten a good education, thanks to God and to a lot of you supporting us. But um, finally, fear. I think we're getting closer to the root. You mentioned fear. Fear is big. Somebody got an answer for fear? Why don't you just trust? Trust who? Trust God. Okay? Somebody else? I don't know if there's a better answer than that, but face the fear and walk through it. Okay? Somebody else? Love. Because perfect love casts out fear. Okay? Good. Yes, of course, you should be afraid. You're foolish if you're not afraid. Because there's plenty of stuff to fear. But isn't there plenty of stuff to fear here? I walked through my good friend Paul Middleton's dying and death now. It didn't do him any good to be here, to have the best medical care in the world. There's things to fear here. Actually, one of the things he wrote was, heart is good. Why not do a slam dunk instead of just a layup? Why not enjoy... Going for it. But trust is the key. We do fear, but we need to fear God. Fear God more than everything else that we fear. All authority has been given to me, Jesus says. And I am with you always. 
Do we live like that? Like all authority has been given to me? Now, all authority is given to him and he's telling us to go, so it means we need to go. But also, he says, when you do that, I'll be with you. You know what? We aren't bringing Jesus to Africa. Jesus went to Africa before he went to Nazareth, actually. (laughs) He was a refugee in Africa before he ever got to Nazareth. We are following Jesus. We're discovering him there. He has authority over every demon, every sickness, every government, every economic situation, over my bank card and my credit card and my debts. He has authority. Now, we are sometimes so into spiritual warfare, it's not a bad idea to be aware that there are spiritual forces. And sometimes, you know, our African brothers and sisters and others can wake us up to the fact that there's a spiritual realm that's influencing everything. But we, and sometimes they, can be so focused on that, we end up in fear. We say, well, you know, this, this territory might be, might be infected with something. Or some, somebody gave me a gift, and what if, it's, what if it's got something in it? What if it's been dedicated to something? You know what Paul said? I go anywhere and I eat anything. I pray before I do it, say, thank you, Lord, for creating this. If it happened to be offered to an idol or something else, that, that's, that's their issue. Now, if somebody says, watch out, this is... I say, okay, okay, you know, for your sake, I won't go there. We are so afraid, but of course, most of us aren't actually that spiritual. We're just afraid of germs. We're just afraid of money not being enough. We're just afraid of our family, something happening. Does God really have all authority? Has he really given it to Jesus? Has he really told us to go? And will he really be with you? Joshua 1.8, he said, Do not fear, I will be with you. Jesus is with us. What about the fear of wasting your life? We're all dying. I'm old enough to realize that, that I'm on my way out. We're on our way out. What if we leave with no legacy? You're going to be dead one way or another. Sorry to say. But what are you going to leave behind? And what are you going to go to get? What legacy are you leaving that's lasting? And what eternal reward are you going to be receiving? Invest there. If you are headed to another country, you don't keep a whole bunch of stuff in this country, right? You sell it off and you put it in some kind of transfer account. We're headed to another country. We are aliens and strangers. Now, I personally have my alien... If you want to know, I am a legal alien. I have my alien card in my pocket. Um, But we are legal aliens, (laughs) Yes, we're concerned about the, as Jeremiah told the people, stay there, plant gardens, marry and bury, take care of Babylon while you're there. But we're really Abraham's people and we are headed away from Babylon to a better country. So will you be sent by Jesus? Will you say yes 
Yes. You just say yes. To anything and everything. Whatever he requires, whatever he, he asks. And clearly one of the things he's asked is he's commissioned us to make disciples of every ethnic group. Every group. Let's, let's stand up. If you are willing to say yes only to whatever. If you are willing to say yes, then stand at attention and await your orders from the commander. Now, it's not about us. It's about him. He is the general. He is in charge. Now, here I want you to listen for a specific relationship. Now, I didn't say task. There will be some tasks in that relationship. But we are so into a task. What am I supposed to do? What you're supposed to do is you're supposed to love your neighbor. Go down a few verses there in, in Deuteronomy, and it says, love the alien as yourself. So let's just put your hands out. This isn't an unusual thing here, I know. Say yes. Then ask Jesus to focus. Jesus, please speak to us. Holy Spirit, you are the only one in Luke and Acts and in today that can transform us from egocentric and ethnocentric to focused on you and focused on those you are focused on. So Holy Spirit, fill us. If the, if the worship team would come up, I'm going to sing that again. Lord, we ask you to show us a specific person that you want us to travel with, that you want us to travel to, that you want us to love. It may be a neighbor. It may be a friend someplace else. Maybe it's even somebody we haven't met. But we know a place. Lord, I ask you to show us a specific person or relationship or a specific group of people that you want us to relate to. And Lord, we pray that you would guide us in what you want us to do in that relationship. Let's just take a minute to hear from God about who and what to put feet on your yes. Lord, speak to us about one relationship, one thing we can do to make disciples of you.